last Friday, Good Friday, I was invited to preach at the Antioch Church in Beaumont where Pastor John Adolph is, is the pastor. I was preaching in a service with several other preachers and pastors. And Pastor Dennis Jones had one of the words from the seven last words of Jesus on the cross. I can't remember which now, but Pastor Dennis Jones of Gethsemane Church here in Houston was preaching and he said something that made me sit up in my seat. I wrote it down because I wanted to use it as a subject to preach this morning. I called him last week and told him that I would make this statement and the first time I preach this sermon, I'm gonna give him credit for the topic. But the second time, it has been said. And the third time is mine. But I'm gonna give Dennis Jones the credit for having said this in a sermon that arrested me and caught my attention that I want to preach about this morning. He said, and I want to preach about this, God's sovereignty is my sanity. God's sovereignty is my sanity. In a recent issue of Health Magazine, six experts who study joy for a living reveal the simple practices that make the biggest difference in life as it relates to human joy. A CEO by the name of Natalie Kogan of the learning platform Happier says that happiness is something you do. CEO of the Happiness Research Institute says that happiness and money are connected. I almost agree with that because when I don't have any money, I'm unhappy, so I almost agree with that. <laughs> Leadership coach Ellen Petrie says happiness is about relationships, contribution, and mastery of life. The founder of the Happy Brain Science, Scott Crabtree, says that the quality of your relationships is the number one factor in happiness. The author, Emily Smith, says that happiness is not something that you have, it's something that you look for. Author Courtney Hammerstein says, to find happiness, you have to try being brave. I want to say to all of the aforementioned what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians at chapter 12, verse 31, I show you a more excellent way. 
The experts, six of them, tell us what happiness is. And the Word of God has a word to say to us about what joy really is. We are about to embark upon a church-wide study from Dr. Charles Swindoll's book, Getting Through the Rough Stuff. Uh, we are starting on Tuesday night in a study uh, from Getting Through the Rough Stuff, and each week I want to highlight what we will be talking about in the Tuesday night classes. And for those of you who have not yet registered, you still have time to do so. You still have time to register for the class. We are running out of book materials, so we need you to, to register so that we will know how many more to order. But this week's topic in the class is anxiety. And I want to deal with anxiety, with worry this morning. God's sovereignty is my sanity. The opposite of anxiety, indeed its relief, is the peace that only God in answer to prayers bestows upon his people. Anxiety, brothers and sisters, arises from a lack of contentment. And to be anxious literally means in the text to be of a divided mind. In short, the presence of anxiety is the absence of humility. The late Dr. A. Lewis Patterson of the Mount Corinth Church put it this way, worry is like filing formal charges against God and accusing him of mismanagement. I wish I would have said that. Dr. Patterson said, worry is like filing formal charges against God and accusing him of mismanagement. Rejoicing is a keynote of this letter to the Philippians. This ongoing rejoicing cannot be based upon or grounded in the particular circumstances, but rather must be independent of circumstances. It is worth remembering, brothers and sisters, that this letter is written by Paul while he was in prison to Christians who are suffering from their commitment to Jesus Christ. Clearly, Paul does not have in view the kind of superficial happiness that the authors talked about earlier that manifests itself only when things are going well. No, it is rejoicing that can be had because it depends not on changing circumstances but on an unchanging God. Walk with me around the text. Look with me again at verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Brothers and sisters, if, if God's sovereignty is going to be your sanity, 
you've got to number one, learn how to praise God. Rejoice. It, it, it don't have to be Sunday morning. You don't need a choir to get you all juiced up. You don't need a worship leader telling you to clap your hands. When you start remembering, when you start thinking about what God has done for you, what God is doing for you, and what God's word promises that he will do for you, it can be Thursday afternoon you just start rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord is a Christian's distinguishing mark and a characteristic of the kingdom of God. Because rejoicing in the Lord at all times is so important that the Apostle Paul emphatically repeats the injunction. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. This epistle sparkles with joy for its very subject and its occasion call for the sweet admonition to rejoice with true joy. In Philippians at chapter 1, verse 18, Paul rejoices that Christ is preached even though the motivation is selfish. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 2, he encourages the Philippians to make his joy complete by being like-minded. In Philippians 2, 17 and 18, he calls them to rejoice with him in sacrifice and in service. In chapter 2, verse 29, they were to welcome Epaphroditus with great joy. Chapter 3 of Philippians and verse 1, he encourages them to rejoice in the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, some wrongly identify joy as a purely human emotion. But joy is not a feeling. Joy is the deep down conviction that God is in control of everything for the believer's good and his glory and that all is well no matter what you're going through. If it's a divorce, you still have joy. If it's sickness, you still have joy. If it's a season of grief, you still have joy. Because what is going on outside you cannot disturb what's going on inside you because your joy does not depend on outward circumstances. Some folk can only shout when they get a raise. Some folk can only shout if the right people are in their life. Some people can give God glory only if they have money. But some of us whose backs have been up against the wall and God has shown up right in the nick of time, we don't need a whole lot of stuff to get us to get excited. 
when we start thinking about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us and where he's brought us from and what he brought us through. We have real joy. When, when you have real joy, you don't have to eat at Vic and Anthony's. You can be satisfied with cornbread and milk. When you have real joy, if nobody speaks to you, you don't care nothing about them speaking to you. You just speak and keep it moving. When you have real joy, you, don't, you, you actually think you care what somebody says about what you got on? You ain't dressing for them. You don't care what anybody thinks about you or how somebody looks at you because if that's where you get your joy from, you're going to lose your mind. But this joy that I have, I hope I'm not speaking for myself, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. That's why what you think about me does not bother. Fret not yourself because of evil doing. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. They shall soon be cut off like grass. And God will make them wither like the green. Blessed is the man. I wish I had a Bible reader that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in that law doth he meditate both day and night and if you do that here's what will happen you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season your leaf also shall not wither and whatever you do God will make it prosper. No good thing will he withhold from him who walks uprightly. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I wish I had some help right here. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I win the wicked? Even my enemies and my foes come upon me to eat up my flesh just before they get to me God trips them they stumble and they fail though a host should encamp against me in this will I be confident one thing have I desired of the Lord that would I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days here it is in the time of trouble have I got a witness he shall hide me has thou not known has thou not heard that the everlasting God 
the father, the creator of the ends of the earth, there's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and grow weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. The proverb says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Jeremiah says, if you run with the footmen and they weary you, how shall you contend with horses? If you can't make it in the land where peace and prosperity abides, what are you going to do at the swelling of the Jordan? Rejoice. Just get happy by yourself. If it ain't nobody in the car, just start hollering. If it ain't nobody in the house, just start laughing. If it ain't nobody to pat you on the back, pat your own self on the back. Take yourself to dinner yourself to the movies I don't need nobody in my life to make me happy I got joy yeah. verse 5 if God's sovereignty is my sanity not only need I need to learn to praise God but verse 5 tells me I need some patience. It's right here in the text. Let your, King James says, moderation. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The word moderation is the, tra is the translation of the Greek word meaning not being unduly rigorous, being satisfied with less than one's due, sweet reasonableness, forbearance. Perhaps the best corresponding English word is graciousness, the graciousness of humility. The humble graciousness that produces the patience to endure injustice, disgrace, and mistreatment without retaliation, without bitterness, without vengeance. It's a graciousness that results in contentment. Aristotle, in his Nicomachean Ethics, describes the gentle person as the one who by choice and by habit does what is equitable and who does not stand on his rights unduly, but is content to receive a smaller share, although he has the law 
on his side. You remember Abraham and Lot came into a territory and uh, Lot wanted one portion and Abraham wanted another portion and Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen got into a conflict because there was not enough room in the land for everybody and Abraham said to Lot, let's, let's not fall out because we be brethren. He says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. You take the land you want and what you leave left over, I'll take that. And Lot chose the highlands of Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham chose the lowlands of Mamre. And God got it over to Abraham that he got the land, but you got the promise. He has land that has been angelically tagged for demolition. He has land that's about to go up in smoke. So let him think that he's won. He got the land, you got the promise. And let folk think they've gotten over on you. God will make a way out of nowhere. Ah, oh, brothers and sisters. An accurate reading of this verse is do not keep this sweet reasonableness in your heart. Let it find expression in your conduct so that other people will experience the blessings God has given you. If you're a Christian, calm yourself down. Stop flying off the handle for everything. Stop getting mad over stuff and over people who don't matter. Because after a while, people are gonna get sick of being around you. If you always got an attitude, if you always got to call the manager when you go to Walmart, it's Walmart! It's waste baskets and trash cans. It's paper towels and toilet tissue. Calm down! Well, maybe, maybe you didn't get that, you'll get this. Don't you hate to eat with people that everything the waiter bring, they got to send it back? This ain't done right. And then you call the manager of the restaurant and, and then you get the owner of the restaurant to come to your table and then you write a review and you talk about how bad it was and you ain't never going back and then they call you and give you a special invitation and now you can go eat for free. Which is all you wanted in the first place. It's a hair in my, it ain't no hair in your food. This steak too tough. I wanted lemons, you brought lime. The fork's on the wrong side. Dude, this waiter don't speak. You got too much attitude for me. Where's the manager? 
people ought to ask you, didn't you just come from church? Must not have, because it ain't doing you no good. Gentleness, forbearance, graciousness. You don't have to be right all the time. You can, you can take one for the team every now and then. You can let people think that they have gotten over on you. God will straighten it out tomorrow. Patience. Stop being so touchy. Stop being so brittle that everything got to go your way and it got to be done just to your specifications or you don't want it. Or it's not, that's, that's what babies do. You, you give them the, plu, the, the blue pacifier, they wanted the pink one. They don't care nothing about them toys until another child comes in there and starts playing with them. That's what children do. Paul said, when I was a child, I wish I had a Bible reader. I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. But when I became a man, when I matured in my faith, I put away childish faith. It's childish to always want your way. It's childish to always think people ought to do what you say to do. It's childish to always throw tantrums. Let me see if I can help somebody and I got to move on. I got three minutes left. My mama would give me what she called a good whipping. I need somebody here who was raised like I was raised. My mama would give me a good whipping. And a good whipping is when they get through with you, you just go take a nap. And then your mama go take a nap. Because she tired and you tired. But my mama would give me a good whipping and then she'd go sit down and talk to her friends on the phone like nothing happened. Like she didn't just break my arm in three places. And, and she'd go talk on the phone and I'd go sit by and... <laughs> and then she'd hang up, girl, I'm gonna talk to you later. Then she'd go cook and I'd go in the kitchen and stand by. <laughs> She said, keep on. Somebody know the rest of that. I'm going to give you something to cry for. And God is saying to some complainer in here this morning. God is saying to some whiner in here this morning. Keep on. All I've done for you. All the blessings I've allowed you to accrue. All the material wealth I've allowed you to gain, I've given you your health and strength. You can see, you can talk, you can reason, you can walk, and now you're sitting in my church with my clothes on after sleeping in my house, acting like I didn't bless you. Keep on. I'm going to give you something to cry for. Why 
Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I'm not guessing about it. I know he watches me. But as I hurry to the close, not just praise will make God sovereignty my sanity. Not just patience will make God sovereignty my sanity, but prayer will make God's sovereignty my sanity. Verse number six, do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything The present tense prohibition, do not be anxious or do not worry or be careful for nothing, indicates that the Philippians must stop doing what they have already been habitually doing. The cure for worry is believing prayer. Anxiety is out of place in the presence of a loving God. Brothers and sisters, hear me. The strong contrast between worry and faith is seen in the transitional adversative in the text. The transitional adversative comes after this word. He says, do not worry, do not be anxious, do not be careful for anything. Here is the transitional adversative, but in everything, give thanks. In everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. Now, Paul, as I hurry, uses three synonyms for prayer that line up precisely with what Jesus said in the gospel. Paul says by prayer, meaning to intercede on behalf of another. Supplication means to ask God for something you need directly. And request means to not be amorphous and, and, and supercilious in your request, but ask God directly, God, not my brother, not my sister, it's me. I, I'm not praying for the sick right now. I'm, I'm not praying for the people in Africa right now. I'm not praying about violence. I'm not praying for the president. Right now, I need something, God, that only you can give. And I'm shutting everything else out and asking you specifically 
for this one thing. Now here is how it lines up with what Jesus said in the gospel. Paul says, by prayer, Jesus said, ask. Paul says, by supplication, Jesus said, seek. Paul says, make your request known, Jesus said, knock. Now, there are some prayers when I'm just praying pretty on Sunday morning. You know something about pretty prayers. Just, just praying because you know some big words and just praying because you've been asked. But there are some prayers that you pray in your private prayer time that nobody knows what you're going through but you and God. Nobody knows what you're up against and what you need right away but you and God. And if you pray and you pray with thanksgiving, God will come in the room where you are praying and the answer will come sometimes before you get off your knees. Because there are times when God does not want to answer a prayer. He wants to change the person praying. And when you pray, and pray right, he says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. I, I hope I can get through this last, this, this last little part without crying or shouting. There was a couple who came to visit with us last Sunday from Franklin, Louisiana. A man and his wife, I have his name written down in my office, I, I forgot to bring it out here with me. But he and his wife came to church last Sunday from Franklin, Louisiana. And they came because they wanted to hear their favorite YouTube preacher, the Honorable Terry K for killer Anderson preached the gospel in person. The husband was holding his wife's hand and I thought he was just being sweet. But they came together and they got up to where I was standing right here and the husband said to me, Reverend, we had to come from Franklin, Louisiana because my wife listens to you every night. Before she goes to sleep, she hears your voice, and so we wanted to come to personally thank you. He said, my wife, she's standing right there, he's holding her hand, he says, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. He said, going through the breast cancer treatment she was stricken with blindness. He said, my wife has breast cancer and she's blind. She's standing right there while he's holding her hand. He said, in the midst of her cancer diagnosis and being stricken with blindness, we lost our son. We had to bury our child. He's standing right there holding his wife's hand, telling me this story, and the wife finally speaks up. She said, Pastor, you mind if I put my hands on you? I said, no, ma'am, I, I don't mind at all. She said, 
you mind if I touch your face? She touched my face. She put her hand on my eyes. She touched my nose. She said, Pastor, do you mind if I put my hands on your mouth? I said, no, ma'am, I don't mind at all. And she said, I want to touch your mouth. I want to touch your lips because I want to touch the lips of the mouth of the man that God used to keep me from losing my mind. Breast cancer, blindness, her son is dead, but she has the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And somebody is in here this morning, people don't know why you're still smiling. You got the peace of God. They don't know how you still just keep going. You got the peace of God that surpasses. All understanding. I will keep him in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me and the peace of God that surpasses that exceeds all human understanding all human planning all human devices all human schemes all human weapons of manipulation it will surpass all of that and then keep your heart and your mind that word keep your heart is a military term that means God will put a garrison of soldiers around you God will put a century of soldiers on duty to keep you in perfect peace. 